Today I've been speaking with Teresa Mitchell. Now she's the executive producer of a documentary called Life After Loss. Now the aim of the documentary is to empower and give voice to many unnoticed women who struggle with infertility, pregnancy and infant loss. And Teresa reminds us that as women, regardless of our color or background, we have a choice and that whatever happens, it's okay not to be okay. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Teresa. Nice to see you. You too. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. And I'm so thrilled to have you on Precarious Parenting. Same here. Same here. So paint a picture about yourself. Tell us who you are, where you are, what's happening. Tell, tell us about yourself. Yes, my name is Teresa Mitchell. I am executive producer uh, slash producer of a documentary called Life at the Lost. I currently reside in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was born and raised in Queens, New York City. I am an African-American female that uh, suffered three miscarriages. So this is why I'm telling my story. Yeah, fantastic. And I think that that really resonated with me having experienced a miscarriage too and friends of mine who have gone through it and, um, you know, the loss of loss of babies, sleeping babies, you know, it's such a such a traumatic time. So um, tell us tell us more about Life After Loss and the documentary. Yes, Life After Loss is a documentary created to bring life and truth faced by black and brown women as they quietly struggle through stillbirth, miscarriages, infant loss, and infertility. So it's telling a story where my tragedy with other women um, of color, um, in America, we are three to four times most likely to die at the hands of childbirth or have complications during or after childbirth. We are easily ignored, we are easily dismissed, we are easily not heard when we when it comes to healthcare in America. Um, this documentary is to help women uh, have a voice, to have a choice and understand their body. And we just want to birth healthy babies. I think that's an incredible statistic. What well, can you tell me more about the, the underlying factors around that statistic? The underlying factors in our healthcare system in America, we are the worst country when it comes to our healthcare system. I don't want to say it's like the third world country, but for us, um, we are most likely to be uh, not believed when, we, when it comes to pain, not believed when it comes to um, our level of care. So when we go into the hospitals, we tend to be dismissed all the time, um, especially when it comes to maternal health. We don't get treated as well as such as white women. We are most likely to get misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed. So this is a story that tells many women's stories that they're not alone when it comes to this healthcare system in America. Um, one of the things that we have seen was that even if we do have money or we are college educated or um, a CEO or a company, complications happen most likely to us, like Serena Williams, like Meghan Marco. Um, she had a miscarriage and she was complaining that she had issues and she wasn't listened to. Um, Chrissy Teigen, she's another one that's uh, um, John Legend's um, 
wife, she had a miscarriage and she told the doctors that she was feeling, you know, not so good. And all they had to do was a simple test to find out that she did have a blood clot. But unfortunately, she had a miscarriage. So these are the type of things that we've seen through decades. I've been here on earth for three decades and it's been continued happening since slavery. So now that we have slavery is over and we still live in a world where it's 2021, it is hitting us harder because during the pandemic in 2020, everything was locked down. So we had to do virtual um, doctor's calls. So when we complained that we have any symptoms, our hospital was overloaded. So now we have women that are home pregnant but can't have access to the hospitals because they don't have enough staff. So now we have mothers losing their, their lives and birthing babies, but they're no longer here. Wow. And I think that pandemic, you know, the, the, the whole situation with the pandemic obviously is global and we're feeling that too you know in the news today I was reading that our hospitals already we've only just in the UK had our freedom day yesterday yeah. wow but, but our, our our ambulance services our paramedics our hospital wards are already overloaded wow. so um you know, I guess we will also, because we have people who have been diagnosed with cancers, you know, um, heart conditions, I guess pregnancies and miscarriages also here who aren't being seen. But you're talking about something pre-pandemic, aren't you? You're talking about yeah. um, something that you see is institutionally um, being missed, women of yeah. color. Yeah. not being heard yeah, yeah. so would you so, so I don't really understand the healthcare system in in the USA so here in the UK anybody can have access to a midwife access to care you know aside from a pandemic it what is that the same in in the USA no and most states uh, we have 50 um, states in America and most states don't believe in midwives they won't um, provide that 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 resource to women of color or any woman that's pregnant, that resource to have a midwife or a doula. Um, in some states they do, but it's hard to get them. Some um, um, don't. It, some are a little expensive, some is not covered through our health, um, health insurance, and some don't reach you in your community. So it's hard for you to uh, go to these places and, and see these individuals that will help you um, have a healthy pregnancy so it's not accessible to a lot of women out here in America so you can be a, a, a rich white woman you can probably um, get the services but for a woman of a college educated black woman or a Hispanic or a, a, a Asian it's really hard to find that midwife or that doula to assist you when you want to get pregnant during pregnancy and after pregnancy. Wow so would you be happy to share your experience? Because I know that you've got a, a long journey of trying to have a baby. Would you be happy to share all that with me? Sure. I'm um, in 2011. I got pregnant the first time. Um, and I was 15 weeks when I had a miscarriage. The doctors told me they didn't understand what was going on. I might have had an incompetent cervix, but they won't know anything until I get pregnant again. That for me was the first time that I was 
ever depressed, anxiety overwhelmed, grieving, um, just mad at myself and complain and, and, and blame myself for that situation that happened. When I got pregnant again, my second time um, in 2014, I was so happy because I felt like I took a long time to get pregnant again, but I think this time is gonna be a good time to get pregnant. And when I got pregnant, I went to the doctor. I told him, okay, last time I miscarried at 15 weeks, can we do something to help me not miscarry again? Doctor was like, oh, you know, that only happens once in a while. You know, not a lot of women have miscarriages like that back to back. And I was like, mm, okay, I'm gonna trust you. I kept telling him every time I went to the doctor, I wasn't feeling well. Um, I, I kept telling him, I, you know, I feel pressure down there. And he kept telling me, oh, it's, you know, it's pregnancy. That's what pregnancy does. Now at 18 weeks, I told him I kept feeling leakage. And he was telling me, oh, it's probably, you know, your hormones, you're probably, you know, discharging, but you're fine. Everything looks good. But that simple test he could have took would have shown that my amyloid fluid was leaking and that I was about to have a miscarriage. Um. I consulted my friend. My friend was a nurse at the time. Uh, she told me to go and see um, the Dr. King in the state of Florida. Go see Dr. King. He's a high-risk doctor. I said, okay, cool. Called his office, made an appointment. The lady gave me an appointment for Thursday. I lost the baby on Tuesday. Oh, so I didn't even get a chance to save my child. I didn't get a chance to process everything because I was like, I was trying to do everything I wanted, I needed to do to carry this healthy baby to term but still again nobody listened to me mm. when I got pregnant in 2016 that's when they started listening to me they gave me a transvaginal saccage um, at 13 weeks um, that was a successful procedure I got that done and then um, went on went to go check on my my child every week at 19 weeks, that's when they found that I had an infection that was developing into the embryonic sac, into the into the um, into the baby, and it can lead in for both of us dying or me having a sporadic abortion to eliminate that infection. They tried to treat the infection, but the, the infection didn't it it wasn't going away, and it was harming me more than it was harming the baby. So I had to have another, had to make another choice. That choice was, I had to have another abortion. Mm. I didn't want an abortion. I'm like, mm. why am I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm here trying to fight to have yes. this baby and you telling me that I have to make a decision between yeah. mine and my child's life. Okay, carry my child, I'm okay, just let me go. They wouldn't give me that option. It was like, listen, you only 19 weeks. It's, it's not going to happen. So then I had to make that tough decision within mm. that two hour period to mm. have the sporadic abortion. Now I'm completely distraught. I'm depressed. But for Black women, we can't show weakness. We have to be strong. We have to be that person that is empowered and take care of the family. And 
I didn't process that grief like I supposed to have processed it then. Um, I'm learning that now doing therapy because now all that trauma that was built on top of me for losing three babies is is coming back in formation where, you know, some days I'm good and some days I'm bad. And this journey that I took to have um, my daughter in 2018 was not easy, Mm. but I was willing to give it another try. When they found out that I had an incompetent cervix, they told me that I can have a trans-abdominal saclage, which lead it up for me to have my rainbow baby. Um, a rainbow baby is a baby where um, if you have an infant loss or a miscarriage or a stillbirth um, and you get pregnant after that and that baby is um, healthy and strong and you know full term or even if it's premature, that is a rainbow baby because that's your miracle baby right there. So I was extremely happy when I had my daughter um, in 2018. She is, she is two now going on three in September and she's amazing. So this is why I doing a documentary, telling my story, telling other women's stories, because we're not alone. It's a lot of women out here in the world that struggle in silence when it comes to death of a child. You know, you know, we, we struggle when I, we lose our parents or our friend or our cousin or our sister and brother, we, we, we tend to, you know, talk about that person's life. We tend to go to the funeral and, you know, share that love that we, we met from that loved one. But when it comes to miscarriages and stillbirth and infant loss, or even if you can't get pregnant, we tend to be quiet about it. And now is not the time to be quiet about it. We have to embrace it to know that you are not alone and we got you. We are here. We are, we got therapists, we got counselors, we have people that are here to help you do this transformation from knowing that you are still strong. You're still here. We can build something from this. And this is why the documentary is coming out. Oh, such an amazing story. And it's so wonderful to know that you have your rainbow baby and and that yeah. you you manage to to successfully uh, deliver a healthy child. So that's so wonderful. Um, I said to you before we we hit record that, you know, I had experienced a miscarriage. This is way back in 2003. And and it's really interesting listening to you because while I'm listening to you talking on behalf of women of colour, I'm also thinking, you know, yeah, but we all feel the same loss and we all feel the same, you know, grief. Because like I said to you off, off podcast, um, you know, I, so I've been trying to have a child for a number of years. And actually, in the end, I managed to go on the IVF waiting list. And I didn't actually want to do that. And I, and I was in with the consultant and my husband at the time. And, um, and I was like, I don't want to do IVF. I want this to be a natural, I was a romantic. I want this to be a natural birth or not at all kind of thing. And they mm-hmm. said, well, why don't you go on the waiting list? And, you know, it doesn't matter. You can defer it or decline it or go for it when you finally get to the point that you come up on the list. And I was like, yeah. okay, fair enough. So I've been trying to have a baby for about four years. And I'd been in that cycle of, uh, am I going to get pregnant? Oh no, I've got my period. Am I going to get pregnant? And every time the loss and grief that you feel. 
And do you know what, Teresa? The week that I went on the IVF waiting list, I fell pregnant. What? Yeah. It was like I'd handed the responsibility to somebody else because they'd said there's no reason why you can't get pregnant and it was almost proof to me that I was so stressed about trying to get pregnant Mm -hmm. but then rolling on you know for nine or ten weeks I knew that I wasn't pregnant I just knew because we women know our bodies so well don't Mm -hmm. we and um and it was a Friday it was an early early evening on a Friday in the UK, I think that's the time not to miscarry because the hospitals, they won't see you till Monday morning. So I was basically on my own to just get on with it. And I think it was a a very, very difficult time. I mean, it was a long time ago now, but um, you know, I think now I'm mid fifties and I look and I watch other people and I think people get through this by having a baby. And I feel sad for those people who've lost a child in, because I went to a, um, sorry, I'm now hogging the podcast, but I'm just sharing this. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Um, I, I actually ended up going to a charity to support people who'd, you know, lost a child or lost a pregnancy. And they said, it doesn't matter when you, you miscarry, whether it's six weeks or nine weeks or 15 weeks or or, or stillborn it's you're still a grieving parent and that was so helpful to me to hear that yeah you still a parent you still a mom you yeah. still that, that woman that took that courage to conceive that child to hold that child in your womb you're, yeah. you're still a mom and a yeah. lot of women suffer from that because they feel like okay I feel less as a person and now it's not the time to feel less of a person. Now is the time to still feel whole as a person and as a mom, because yeah. now you can embrace your loss in a, such a way that you can still call your child your child. You can still yeah. name your child. You can still um, have that that love for your child, even though the child is not here. You still are that child's parent. And yeah. that's what I want to, women to know that you know, even if you choose not to have a baby, you still have the opportunity to love yourself. And that's the most important key question is, is for a lot of women, they get answered, they get questions like, oh, well, you're 30. Don't you know your egg's about to, you know, be gone or, you know, you're getting up into age, you need to have a baby. And some women don't want to have kids. And that is their, that's okay. They are great people. They're great person but they know who they are and they don't need to answer to anybody if they don't want to have any kids they don't need to feel like they have to have a kid to be whole no I know a lot of thriving women that are career bound or even they are great aunties they force the parents they you know they they taking care of other people's kids they're great parents you know but I want to let women know that it's okay for you to be you it's okay to to love you first because you you matter first. Yeah. I think that's such a lovely thing that you've said because, you know, having ended up not having children in the end, I think I have been in that place of offering parenting to many young people at a moment that they needed it, whether their parents could or couldn't. You know, so you're right. We we all have that ability, the ability to, to parent, don't we? Yeah. 
yes which, it is. and it's all about connection that's such a lovely thing to say yes it is yeah oh what a lovely conversation so you I listened to another podcast that you did and you talked about turning trauma into positive energy yeah. and I know that that links back to your documentary um where does that drive come from for you to turn trauma into positive energy, to do something like a documentary where you're trying to get a message out to, and I suspect your documentary isn't only aimed at women of color. I suspect it's going to be as helpful to any woman anywhere. Yeah. Um, therapy. Therapy has changed my mental health in a way where my trauma is something positive to me because I forgive myself for being in such much so much pain I forgive myself for allowing me to to feel ashamed to feel that guilt because I didn't know how to channel that and then when I got pregnant with Janae all I kept feeling every time I went to the hospital or to the doctor's office is that they're going to tell me I'm going to lose my baby and I and I, I knew that that channeled to my child and I'm like I can't I can't keep going on like this I have to embrace this pregnancy and I have to treat it like it's a normal regular pregnancy and I'm not going to keep going back in in my head thinking that I'm going to lose this baby because I know I have trauma built on top of trauma on top of trauma so what can I do so I went to therapy and my therapist told me what makes you happy Teresa because that's the only way you can thrive right now is what makes you happy and I had to struggle a long time to figure out what makes me happy and I said me loving myself working Mm -hmm. on myself and me loving to laugh so she said okay let's work on one so since you like to laugh a lot why don't you go home every day and watch something funny and I did I went home I I got my bucket of ice cream (laughs) you know I sat in my bed and I watched comedy shows. I watched the, you know, Martin. I watched the Wayne's Brothers. I watched um, Bernie Mac show. Like I watched movies to make me laugh because I wanted to make my child know that I'm happy. I wanted her to, to hear my voice. I wanted her to hear my laughter because I didn't want her to come out feeling like she's weighing, wearing my stress. And I didn't want her to do that. I wanted her to be a happy child because mommy is going through some things that I'm still working on and I wanted to be the best parent that I possibly know to work on myself and to order for me to work on myself I have to love myself in order for me to love myself I have to love my child so what can I do uh you've reminded me that um when I did miscarry you know way back when um just a few nights before I'd had a hot bath so for probably a couple of years I really beat myself up that I'd cooked my baby Uh, I was carrying this guilt and then and then eventually loving loving yourself um I would say being kind an act of self-kindness I suddenly Mm -hmm. saw that it wasn't true or even if it was true I couldn't change it yeah you know uh, and actually that baby didn't miscarry because I had a hot bath yeah but yep, I had yep. seriously spent a lot of time seriously beating myself up about that. Isn't it interesting? I really hope women might hear what we're talking about and know that they can let themselves off. Yes, that yeah. guilt is something that 
comes to you in waves because you feel like, ah, oh, what did I do wrong? What happened? Did I move? Did I, yeah. did I eat something spicy? Did I yeah. exercise too much? You're like, you, all those things come into your head and you're not alone because I felt, I'm like, did I work too much? Did I stress? What did I do to lose my three, my three miracle babies? Like, what did I do yeah. to put myself in this place? And that's when I knew that was trauma because I had anxiety. I had depression because I kept feeling that guilt and that shame. And once I released that and started working on me, I forgave myself. No matter what it was, I forgave myself. And I think that's yeah. the, the key thing that a lot of people don't do is forgive themselves. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do because sometimes yeah. people are like, no, I wanna, I wanna be angry all the time. I wanna be mad, yes. or, yeah, that's okay. But forgive yourself is, is healing. Yeah, you know, especially when we're watching other people. I remember watching a, 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 a sort of friend, somebody I sort of knew, who cycled all through her pregnancy, you know, cycled her bike, you know, all through her pregnancy, did loads of exercise, did lo and, and other people, I used to watch them and think, how can you do all that? And I couldn't do it. You know, you're, you're so right. Yeah. So, so... I mean, there have been so many strong messages that you've already said, but as we start to ease towards the end of our episode together, what would be your message to any woman out there? My message, especially with this documentary, is that you have a choice. Your choice is yours. If you want to have a baby, if you don't want to have a baby, if you just want to live life the best on your terms, do it. But we're here to, to, to show you that mental health, that grief and self-awareness is very important. Mm -hmm. And we wanna show you that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. It's okay to understand that you might not know, but here's the resources for you to know. If you have questions, ask them. If you don't get an answer, ask somebody else. If you don't like your doctor, change your doctor. If you don't like your situation, change your situation. I want women to embrace themselves for, they, for themselves. I want you to love yourself for you. Don't worry about anybody else because people will say some things. They will make you feel like it was your fault. They will make you feel like uh, you did too much or you, or they just don't know what to say, but you're not alone. All of us women, we are burning as soon as we're born. We have to carry these beautiful babies. We have to um, be independent and, and be the head of household, no matter if we are you know, in a situation where we can't be the head of household. But we, we, we keep a stress level on ourselves that has been there for decades, been there for years. But I just wanna let every woman know that you are beautiful, you are seen, you are heard, and I love you. And I hope you love yourself too. So, Teresa, as much as I'd love to keep talking to you for a lot longer than we've got now, how, how would somebody check out your documentary or, or if somebody wanted to make contact with you, how would they do that? And whatever you're gonna say now, we'll also make sure is in the show notes. Yes, ma'am. Um, people can, um, my 
documentary is in edit mode right now, but we should be uh, finished with our whole project by um, October of this year, 2021. Uh, we'll be definitely doing a lot of film festivals in America and in the UK. Um, we're doing Chicago Film Festival, the Tribeca Film Festival, the San, um, Saint, um, Santa Barbara Film Festival, um, and the African American Film Festival in Martha's Vineyard. Um, so you can reach me out there. Um, also, you can email me or visit my website or find me on all social media platforms, which is Janae, which is spelled J-H-E-N-E, productions with an F at the end, at gmail.com, or um, J-H-E-N-E, productions at wickex.com, or you can find me on all social media social media outlets, um, Janae Productions. Uh, you can follow me at Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Oh, that's brilliant. I really wish your documentary the very best. And I hope you pick up some awards at all those film festivals. You, oh, thank you. I love your positivity and I love your message. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Teresa. Yes, ma'am. You have a wonderful day. And I thank you so much for having me today.